curious. You would make an excellent Cephalon, Tenno. Welcome to Cephalon Squared, a Warframe community and podcast. Find out how to join the collective by heading over to our website at cephalonsquared.com. Now, here are your Cephalons, Greg and Lucas. G'day, Cephalon Collective, and welcome to episode 76 of Cephalon Squared, the last one for 2019. I'm Cephalon Greg, and I'm joined by Cephalon Lucas. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's good, 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 good. That's excellent. Wow. Did you have a good Christmas? Eh, it was a day. It was a day? It was a day. Fair enough. Then what were you wailing about? It's the last podcast of the year. It is. It's the last podcast of, of the year. year. <laughs> so let's uh, <laughs> let's crack on into Where uh, the Rambles, I guess. Where the Rambles. Woo! Where the Rambles. Where the Rambles. Where the Rambles. Where the Rambles. Okay, so we're doing this a bit earlier than normal, and here in the little city of Ipswich, it is currently 28 degrees Celsius with a 44% humidity. Thankfully, the heat wave has moved on. Exactly. So up north where you are, it is 4.30 in the afternoon, am I right? Yes, 4.30 p.m. Yeah, so it's uh, 82 degrees Fahrenheit at 4.30, which is pretty nice. Good time of day to be that temperature. Down here in Melbourne, it's 5.30 and it's 26 degrees Celsius. 784 degrees Fahrenheit, sorry, 78 <laughs> degrees Fahrenheit, 53% humidity. I had a little misprint I think, here. I think you got your notes wrong. <laughs> yes, yes, I did. But yeah, pretty comfortable, pretty nice. Well, not that comfortable. It's kind of humid in my house, but shit happens. Yeah. Is life. So there you go. That was the weather update for today. Hope you enjoyed it, as you always do. We know. <laughs> What'd you get up to in Warframe or whatever? Oh, whatever this week. Okay, so thankfully, due to our good friend Wushi, the, she informed us that the Epic Battle, Epic Simulator. Epic Game Store, Epic Game Store, which everybody absolutely loves, wink, <laughs> uh, put up for free this week the Tabs game, um, totally accurate uh, battle simulator. It is stupid fun. I've been playing a hell of a lot of that. And, of course, Warframe, which, you know, ta-da, we have a Warframe podcast. <laughs> so, no wonder you've been playing that. I missed Totally Accurate Battle Simulator. I saw Wushy's post, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'll grab that later. And then when I jumped in, it was gone. I was like, ah, oh, shit. Wow. Poopy, Bad poopy pants. That's life. I missed out. Such is life. No that Christmas so present for me. So damn fun. It looks silly. And I've heard lots of people saying good things about it. Me, I haven't I haven't done anything. Christmas has been a really busy time with little kids, so we've just been all over the place. I haven't really even had a chance to play Warframe much over the last two weeks. We did play on Friday, and we did Sula's December Challenge. If you do want to give us a challenge, it is the Become As Gods tier for our patron tiers. Uh, so head on over to patreon.com forward slash Cephalon Squared if you want to check that out. And this week, she challenged us to get as far as we could in Sanctuary Onslaught using starter frames and starter weapons. So we both used Mag and we both used Mark 1 weapons that none of which had a former in them, not even the Mag. Yep. And it was interesting, to say the least. It was. It was. Uh, we, we managed to actually get all the way to way, um, Wave 9. Yeah. Yeah, we got to, to Round 9 in Sanctuary Onslaught and Round 6... 
in uh, Elite no, Sanctuary. No, round, so. round, round, was it round six or round five? It was round six. We, well, we passed round five and then died right yeah. at the start of round six. So yeah. we got to round six. We got just didn't complete six. it. So, so that was surprisingly better than we expected. Considering I was using Mark 1 Strun, <laughs> definitely. Mark 1 Bow, Mark 1 Bratton, yeah. Mag. Furious. <laughs> it was Mark 1 Kunai. Actually, I did say while we were playing, it did sort of make me fall back in love with Mag again. She's actually in a pretty good place now. Once she is. You use her three and four, it's perfect. You use her number two on any difficult, annoying enemies. She's just in a good place. Paul is still useless. That's my opinion. Eh, I think it's still fun to just drag enemies around by the ear. It's good to move them around, <laughs> especially if they are sort of um, terrorizing someone or if it's a Nox or something, just to sort of see see them for a bit. But Or, you know, if Greg's gone down for the upteenth time and you need to pull all the enemies away from him so you can revive him. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. I didn't have the same build as you. You had Life Strike, you cheater. I did. I did. <laughs> it was nice. It was a lot of fun, though, so thank you, Tasula. As much as you try and make those challenges break us, so far they haven't. The next one probably will. Well, I don't know. That first one was pretty breaking. The first one was pretty <laughs> bad, to be honest. All right. And I did manage to almost finish building my Railjack this week. I only have one more piece to do on PS4, so... Aha! Almost got my own railjack there. I haven't even started. I know you haven't. <laughs> you big oh, silly. Sorry. You've abandoned PS4. Kind of. <laughs> tusk, tusk. <laughs> all right. So this week, it's been super quiet. There's bugger all news. And nothing much has happened in the world of Warframe. So we've decided we're going to have a bit of a discussion about 2019. All of the different things that came out during the year. I've made some notes. We're then going to do, of course, our beginner and advanced topics and, and call it quits for the day. So it's probably going to be a little bit shorter than our regular main episodes. But, you know, it is Christmas time. We kind of expected that. And people have less time to listen during the holidays anyway. So if you're hoping for a longer one, sorry, there's not much we can do this week. But um, hopefully it's a good chat for you anyway. So let's crack on into the news. You want to start it off, Lucas? Indeed. Okay, so Boxing Day sales for all um, apparel items from uh, digital extremes and apparel last apparel there yeah. <laughs> shush don't don't tease my words uh this is going words. until january the second so go buy yourself t-shirt or whatever it's uh 50 off on statues all the good stuff so go check it out yeah there'll be a link in the notes there absolutely will on another note the trip to space competition if you remember that that was still going um, which started, I think, at Tenocon this year. Uh, it's not really a trip to space. It's $250,000 towards a trip to space. We'll be closing soon. It ends on December 31st, so log into the game. I'm pretty sure that's all it takes. It doesn't really apply to everyone all around the world, sadly. I don't think it applies to us here in Australia. So make sure you jump on to warframe.com and look up the T's and C's if you've been excited about it, just to make sure whether or not you actually meet the requirements. All right, next. Okay, uh, just a reminder, there we have a, are having a Christmas break at the moment, so minis uh, are not occurring just yet. They will be back in the new year. Yeah, that was easy. They won't be back in the new year as in this week. They'll be back in the new year next week, which I think is January 5th or something. It's the first one, whenever is it? it is. No, it's later than that. 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th. <laughs> 
six, seven, eight, ninth, ninth. Close. It's only four days out. <laughs> ah, that's what January 5th. We are aiming, January 5th is a Sunday, and we are aiming to do the live stream with Cephalon Doug, who has been one of our moderators and one of our, our primary Discord members since the very start of Cephalon Squared. He's been around for a long time. We've talked about him a lot. You used to probably hear us referring to him as your master 145. Uh, now we just call him Doug. He's going to join us for the live stream, uh, the Ask Us Anything episode. He's going to be picking fun on us, which is what he likes to do. So if you want to see us get humiliated by Doug, go for it. Otherwise, just tune in and uh, ask us some questions. We'll be a little more clear in regards to the time within the next week, because it is only next week that we're planning on doing this. It's looking like it's going to be in the morning Australian time and in the evening most of the rest of the world time. So <laughs> pro I think we're looking at 7 a.m. your time, Lucas. Yes, 7 a.m. my time, so 8 a.m. Greg's time. Yep, um, and I think it was 6 p.m. Doug's time, and I think Doug is in the vicinity of Texas or in those south eastern areas of America. Uh, he will be clear us. on that. He will <laughs> definitely collect us, correct us. Uh, he could actually be in central time. I can't remember, to be honest. So <laughs> we'll figure it out very soon. We'll get the specific dates and times to you via Twitter, Facebook, Discord, wherever. Uh, so keep an eye out for that information. Keep an eye on our Twitch channel. Follow our Twitch channel and make sure you turn on notifications so you get the notification. It's basically just an Ask Us Anything episode. We'll have a lot of fun. Chat, laugh, whatever. Cool, cool. Yay. You get to see our glorious faces. Indeed. Glorious. Indeed they are. All right, and the last bit. Go. Lastly, the feedback cast will likely be the very first mini of 2019, but it may be longer than the usual mini. And, of course, we are referring to the recent uh, little contest for the Ivara Prime ac access. access pack. Yep. <laughs> Where we put up a little uh, survey for you to fill out and uh, tell us what you think about the show. Indeed we did, and we had more responses than I expected to get, which is fantastic. Um, so there will be a lot of information for us to dig through, which is why we we're saying it's probably going to be longer than a normal yeah, meeting. Yeah. Yeah, but that's fine. We'll just be going over our responses. So if you don't want to listen to it, you don't have to. You can skip over it. But it'll be good to hear feedback to a lot of the things that uh, our listeners, and that may well be yourself, uh, have passed yeah. on to us so woo. that will result in some changes to the show but not much overall cool anything else you want to mention lucas before we get into that discussion not that i can think of all right so 2019 in review <sighs> what a year what a year so i all i did to write this up was I went back and I looked at all of the major update, sorry, major releases. Uh, this doesn't mean a full mainline update in every case. I think we started the year at 22 and we ended up at 26, so there were only three or four mainline releases. But apart from that, there were a whole bunch of mini releases between mainlines that actually brought quite a lot with them. So I've listed them all out by month. And I thought we'd just have a talk about them bit by bit and then have a chat about 
what was covered throughout the year and what months missed out, whether or not we thought it was a good year overall in terms of content, etc., etc. You cool, Lucas? Cool. Let's start with February. February. Nightwave 1, the uh, Wolf of Saturn 6, released in February of this year. It was the first Nightwave. There were some hiccups at first. They ironed them out relatively quickly. By the middle of the Nightwave, it was pretty good. And by the time they released the intermission a month or two later, uh, a few more bugs were ironed out. What did you think of Nightwave 1? Well, to f- start off with, with the introduction of Nightwave, uh, this was when they decided to take out the... Um, alert system. Alert system, yes, that system. And it wasn't just a gradual PC, then consoles. It was everything all <laughs> done at once. It was... The first time they've really, done that. Yeah. yeah, it was really spectacular. First time they've ever done it. It was a complete over the board, like all across the board change to the entire game. And to begin with, it was amazing. It was it was really quite um, a well. Originally, it was a well executed concept. Concept. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, as as the years kind of as the year has progressed over, we've. Uh, come to see the the cracks in the system and it, it does restrict what you can do on what well not really what you can do but what you end up doing on warframe whenever you log in so yeah yeah <laughs> like you sound i'm also a little divided as to how i feel about nightwave i like the idea i think it's a good replacement for alerts it's a good system but it really does kind of override pl- people's plans. Yeah. And it depends on how much you play the game. If you play the game a lot, it really doesn't. If you play the game every day for two hours like we used to back in the day, Nightwave would actually be pretty damn awesome. You'd log in, do your Nightwave, then do your regular stuff. Ha-ha, away we go. But if you log in because you really want to level up one of your frames so that you can go off and do a certain thing that you haven't done yet, or you just want to get through the second dream quest line or something like that, Nightwave gets in the way. And that's a little bit of a pain in the ass. They did change things up later in the year to make it a little bit easier, but when it first came out, it was it was a struggle. And I think I only just got to the 30th rank of Nightwave just as it was about to finish. So Yeah, I think I hit rank 34, and, and like those those four extra ranks I got were purely accidental <laughs> and as with the the current intermission uh, on pc I've, i think i'm up to rank 12 and literally every single one of those ranks has just been accidental <laughs> i've i've basically completely stopped caring about nightwave uh because there's so many other things that i care about in the game now and i really don't care too much for for the the rewards that they offer up that it's not yeah. really but i will say this that that's that's you as a as an experienced player for a earlier player i think intermission is perfect because intermission doesn't force you to chase anything if you most of what you get you'll get just by playing the game i mean you got to rank 12 so it still is a good replacement for the alert system, because by rank 12, you should have a good 200 credits to use in the Nightwave store, which will mean you can buy the auras you need, or you can buy the Arakan Catalyst you want. You can buy all of Vorbin if that's what you want. So you can still get those pieces that you might have wanted, the helmets, the weapon skins, the weapons. You can still get those kind of 
as you go without focusing too much on it. So I like the intermission system. The actual night wave system, I think, needs to be tweaked. That's my thoughts. Yeah. I mean, the stories the stories are great. Stories are good. Yeah. And to be honest, that, that's the main thing I like about the, the night wave. The mm. story that they tell. That's great. Uh, we've said this, I, like I've said this earlier on the year when we've kind of reviewed um, the you know, both Nightwave stories, and yeah, that's that's where I stand. I still stand there. The stories that are completely devoid from the Tenno and and whatnot. That is what I want to hear more of. I want to know more. I want to learn more about the system. So through the Nightwave system, we get exactly that, and that's good. Yeah, it, it's it's world building. It is, it is. And we will talk more about Nightwave a little bit later, so we'll continue on that. Wink, wink. (laughs) March. March saw the Buried Debts update, which was Operation Buried Debts, the Thermia Fractures operation, which then led into the release of the Exploiter Orb. What are your thoughts there? And the release of Hildren. Yes, Hildred came there. I separated the frames out yeah. from the discussion, so we'll talk about them at the end, but she did come alongside that, yes. To this day, the Exploiter Orb is still my favourite boss fight. Yep, I could second that. <laughs> uh, the operation is... is, is the operation is terrible. <laughs> the operation is <laughs> horrendous. I will never go back and do it now that I've done it. <laughs> Um, I still haven't even done it on PC, so you know there's yeah, no, there's no, no. a uh, optical vandal sitting there waiting for me to earn it, but I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> exactly the same. Uh, that was so so bad. Yeah, but yes, Exploiter Orb still to this day is my favourite boss fight in all of Warframe. If you have not yet done this, Go check it out. It is phenomenal. It is hands-on. It is different. It is so damn good, and it makes you feel powerful. Yeah. The Exploiter Orb is really good. If you're on PS4 and you've never done it and you want people to to show you through it, hit us up if you ever see us online or reach out to us on Discord and just say, hey, do you mind one day? taking me through it. I'd love to take you through it. We don't get on PS4 all the time these days, but it'd be great to jump on for half an hour and take a new person through that Exploiter Orb because it is a lot of fun. Uh, yes. Happy to do it on PC. I don't think I've even done it on PC, but it's not that hard. No, so neither. But that's that's mostly because the operation hasn't been done and I don't have any Thermia. Oh, that's true. That's <laughs> very true. So I will say this about the operation, though. I don't mind the operation. The operation's fine. Just the fact that you need to collect 100 Thermia dailies. Ugh. Fuck off. It's so hard. It, is, it really it is. is. It it's is not hard. It defense. just takes so long. And it's a mobile it defense. It's a mo- mobile defense that requires you to defend. Like, well, I think it, it figures out to be about 60 to 70 times you have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. No it's, oh, oh, my head hurts just thinking about it. Yeah. I really I, don't think Who it. thought that was a good idea? Yeah, I mean, the good thing is you can split it out. You don't have to do it all. You can just go one rank the first time and then wait a few months and do it again and go to the next rank. And, you know, your ranks carry over, but still. Yeah, and you do get um, some amalgam mods from it. Was it amalgam mods from that one? You did get some amalgam mods. We didn't quite know what amalgam stuff was. You did get some special yeah. mods from it. But that was the introduction to amalgams. Yeah. 
it was. Uh, yes. And then, of course, the uh, Optical Vandal, which, I mean... It's a pretty it's good the Optical. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the upgraded uh, up, uh, upgraded BFG, so yeah. what's not to love? It just fires faster. Hits a little yes. bit, bit, little bit uh, less hard, but because it fires faster, you can shoot more often. Yes. <laughs> Nothing to hate about it. All right, in April... D then released the Planes of Eidolon remaster. Now, this was mainly a graphical overhaul. It looks fantastic as a result of it, but they added conservation. They added tusk thumpers. There was some economy changes and a few other things uh, that came alongside this. Overall, I don't think it was a massive update for April. It didn't bring me back to Warframe much. Not really. I mean, to be honest, like even, even now. By that time. Yeah, even now I go to Planes of Eidolon and I get lost now because I spent so much time uh, with the original landscape and whatnot. And you look at the the new landscape now, it's actually got lush green trees and, and, and grass and little bushy areas and, and you know, it, it's nicer. It's <laughs> it, it it's yeah, it's kinda of, kinda of confusing to go back to something that you you spent so long uh, in before, and it was just kind of desolate. So, yeah, it, I mean, it look looks really it looks great. It looks fantastic. But now that we've finished all the Planes of Eidolon stuff, I didn't find much need to go back there. You were forced to go back to kill Tusk Thumpers for Nightwave and things like that, which wasn't such a bad thing. But meh. Tusk Thumpers are an interesting thing. They are. They were really hard when they first came out. Now they're piss easy. Yes. Mm. Yes. Alrighty, we're just gonna move on from that one because that wasn't you much. May. Yeah, you may. I'll I'll allow it. (laughs) Thank you. May brought Jovian Concord, which of course did bring Wisp, but it was mainly the Gas City remaster. It brought the new enemy types in the Amalgams, Disruption, the new game mode, and of course the Roper Lolist Battle. This was a major update. What do you think? I freaking loved this update. Gas City remaster was amazing. Um, you know, the tile set's just so much more, it's, it's on a much more grander scale now. And then the added parkour to it, 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 I love it. So the tile set itself, amazing, especially with the integrated, um, traps and, and whatnot that you can activate and get killed by like electric ceilings, freaking bursts, um, gas lines, um, yeah, it, it's it's crazy good. Yeah, it was a really good remaster. It's so much of a better environment now. It looks better. Can be hard to navigate at times. Shakes fist at DE. <laughs> Old man shakes fist at Cloud. <laughs> the amalgam enemies, I don't know. Amalgams. They're pretty cool, but you don't see them very often, which I suppose no. is probably a good thing. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It makes them kind of a rare enemy, but they're just not as interesting as I thought they'd be. Yeah. Disruption. Yeah. Disruption. Arguably the greatest game mode to ever be introduced. Yeah. That wasn't (laughs) one of the originals. Yeah, yeah. I'll say that. It's definitely better than some of the other ones that have been added. Yeah. Disruption's a good game mode. I can't complain about it. I always enjoy playing it. I haven't really ever done long, long long-term disruption, so I can't comment on that, but... I've always enjoyed it. I don't really think I have either. I think the longest either of us have really ever done is like 10 waves. Yeah. At max. Yeah. It's not that much. Yeah. So that's fun. But yeah. It was, it was 
pretty interesting. You know, they gave us some tough enemies to fight. You, know, you, you got to kill the, the Demolist, and the Demolist is usually pretty damn tanky. Or fast. Or fast, yeah. <laughs> or or you get those and you get those crazy abilities from each of the nodes, uh, all the crazy debuff. Mm. Yeah. It's a good it's, mode. It is. It's very well thought out, very well uh, executed. I just wish the keys dropped. What do I wish? I wish the consoles were better laid out, more like mm-hmm. in Interception, so it was more intuitive where to go uh, yeah. and I wish the yeah. keys dropped in a better manner I just find sometimes you're going from one side of the map all the way to the other and there's no reason to do that apart from just the fact that that's where the next one is it doesn't there's no difficulty you're just jumping to the next fucking section just put them closer Buckle. together yeah <laughs> But that's just me complaining. Well, yeah, yeah. And of course, the Ripper Ballist. Ripper Ballist. Wow. Yeah, it's interesting. It's not difficult, but it brought some new lore. It, it, it was quite interesting watching, you know, day one players uh, stream their attempts and, you know, two hours in, they still don't know what the hell they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> and now people can, fin- can solo it in five minutes. Yeah. Or less. (laughs) But that's the nature of all things, I guess. It is a very interesting battle. I don't like it. You don't like it? I don't like the battle. It's frustrating to me because there's too many little fiddly bits. Yeah, too many many intricate mechanics. Yeah, that just annoy me. That's fair. It's not a hard battle. It's just, I just find it annoying. One thing I will say is that, like, one thing I definitely love about it is the fact that they make you use your operator. Hmm. Hey, there's not many game modes that force you to use your operator unless you're, of course, looking at Eidolons. So, yeah, that, that for me, was was really good, uh, a good implementation. As you know, DE has said in the past that they want to make the operators feel more like a warrior, you know, give them more of, like, a, more of a, a use to, to your mission. So having them throw that in was a really good addition. Yeah, and it is entirely a mechanics-based boss. It's not the yeah. bullet sponge in any way. So it was pretty much DE practicing, making something that's just mechanics-based, and it's, it's good. It's just that yeah. people have sort of worked out how to cheese those mechanics so they can do them super quickly. I don't think it's a bad thing. It's just a little frustrating. Yeah. So, so far, uh, from February onwards to uh, May, there was the introduction of two mechanic-based bosses. Yeah. And really, that's that's a good point to stop because Joving Concord came out at the end of May and represented pretty much the end of May and June. So that sums up the first half of the year. Things went quiet in June because, of course, there was Tenocon in early July. I think the first half of the year... While it was full of good content, Buried Deaths was good, Jovian Concord was good. I think there was too much downtime between them, but overall it was pretty good. Pretty good six months. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel very similar. You know, the first half of the year was, while it did have nice chunky updates, there was just too much soup in between. All right, let's move into the second half of the year. July started with Nightwave number two. Uh, and maybe that's how we're going to see things moving on from now on. Maybe Nightwave is going to just be a six-monthly thing uh, and the intermission's going to go in between. So Nightwave mm. goes for three months, intermission goes for three months. We'll see. 
But what did you think of Nightwave 2, The Emissary? Well, the story caught me by surprise and wasn't uh, what we had been discussing realistically prior to it. Mm. <laughs> Not at all. Yeah. But yeah, that was that was good. It was it was good to to kind of have our expectations blown away. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, they did they did iron out a lot of the painful things that they had done in the first night wave and made things more simpler in the in the second night wave. Um, mm. You know, less tasks, more reward. Um, so that was that was a very good change. But did they get the balance right? Um, I'd say they were, they were they were on the right track. Yep, I'll give them that. That's good. Yeah, they were they were on the. It right was track. definitely better. Yeah, but not not better enough. <laughs> yeah, but it was an improvement, and you can't complain about an improvement. Yeah, the towards the end of the Nightwave season two, things got really interesting as they decided to add another mechanics based boss. Yeah, I which- did forget about that. You're right. Yeah, we, I mean, he didn't really leave that much of a um, impression on 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 me. I mean, he is a permanent boss, though. He is a permanent boss. What does yes. he drop? He drops pieces to the uh, infested glaive. Oh, that's right. Which new I still new don't infested have. glaive. Yes, <laughs> I don't have that one either. Um, and it creates like a trail of maggots as it f- flies towards your target. It's like Nidus's glaive. Maybe it is enough because, I mean, think about uh, Lephantis. You only farm him for... Necros. Necros. Yeah. So, yeah, fair enough. One thing. Is the weapon good enough to want to farm him for? Maybe it is. I guess you've got to do it eventually. Mm. Okay. All right. I was just trying to think about whether or not I thought he was a worthwhile boss. As a permanent yeah. boss. Yeah. But, you know, the the, the mechanics of the fight were uh, were interesting. Came back with the uh, October Halloween event, which I didn't put in here. Yeah, that that's true. It was it was what like a whole lantern thing. It was like a you pick up a lantern, uh, you kill enemies to make the lantern glow brighter, and enemies that are outside of the glow are unkillable, including the boss. Mm, so indeed. yeah, it was actually really really interesting mechanic. It was. That. It was. Yeah. So I think. I think Nightwave 2 was good in that not only did it introduce a new boss, and Nightwave 1 introduced a new boss with the wolf. The wolf. Uh, and he's a summonable boss that drops drops the sledge, so he's a little bit more like Stalker, for example, or Grustrag 3. Just, like, a hundred times more fucking tanky. Yeah, so he's, he's a fun boss if you don't have the wolf sledge. Nightwave 2 brought this new emissary... Not the emissary, what's he called? It's got a stupid name. Brought this new boss... <laughs> That you can farm for the other thing. So if Nightwave's going to continue to bring bosses, I'm all for it. And yeah, if they especially, to improve, especially if it's going to be dropping a weapon with each new boss. I'm cool with that. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that at all. A powerful weapon at that. Mm. All right. So that was the last Nightwave for the year. The rest of the year has been intermission. So we'll see whether or not we get a new one in January, February. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. All right, August, there were a couple of updates. We'll talk about Saint of Ultra first, because there's not much to talk about. It was Gauss. Uh, it was Gauss. the introduction of the Leverian and an expansion to Disruption, bringing it to more nodes throughout the system. What, if anything, have you got to say about Saint of Ultra? Okay, the storytelling for Leverian is awesome. I love it. I do. It really does give you a chance to 
look back at, um, at the old tales of glory about the origins of a Warframe or they're, they're the greatest uh, accomplishments of, of their when from when they were uh, in their prime. <laughs> Wink. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I absolutely love the Leverian um, edition. Same. It's, it's great. The Disruption expansion really damn good especially with the fact that they put uh an, a node over on neptune that is used for uh extra credits it's not as good as running index but you can still get credit rewards from that and it's you know second to uh the index then there was the kuva disruption so you can get yourself more kuva from doing a disruption also a good addition um and then a few other odd ones here and there that gave you other specific rewards and and even the lure disruption that spawns the um Oricon tests seemingly yeah. more frequently than other places so yeah yeah they they like disruption expansion was amazing agreed it was really really good job of adding uh more of the disruption to the star chart they did they did great yeah, I've got nothing more to really say about either of those things. I agree 100% with what you've said. Lavarian was a great addition. I just want to see them actually focus on putting information into it. At the yep. moment, it's still only Gauss and Grendel. Uh, there's a whole backlog of stuff to put in there, DE, so go. Just put wink, it in. Wink, 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 wink. Yeah, and of course, there's also the intru- introduction of... Oh, God, I forgot what they're called off the top of my head. The cards that you can collect. Oh, yes. Yes, which I still haven't got. I've got the Gauss card. That's all I've got. But uh, yeah, they're pretty cool. They don't mean anything, but they're cool. <laughs> it's another collectible. Exactly. All right. Also, in August, we saw a little event called Dog Days. Yes. Dog Days. What did you think of Dog Days, Lucas? I thought it was fun for a uh, for a small-time event. It, yeah. it, it, was, it was different. It was... Uh, Wild, wacky, wet fun, haha <laughs> puns. <laughs> I, I I had a good time with this event. You know, there wasn't really much that came from it. There was a new, new color palette. There was a few cosmetics you could get. Yeah. There was the roller floofs, roller floofs, or the beach ball floofs, or whatever you want to call them. And I'm still disappointed I couldn't put them into the dojo to make a <laughs> giant ball pit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you were working hard towards that disappointment sad dog days i thought was great to be honest personally i thought it was great it was fun it would just went on too long yeah i had made it a week just a short week where you can go in there well you know what it was only two weeks it wasn't even that long you didn't have to play it i thought it was a good disrupt distraction distraction i got confused by the word disruption yeah (laughs) so i liked it that's just me october we saw another little Update, uh, not update, short-term event event in Hallowed Flame, which borrowed from the Nightwave 2 boss mechanics, as you mentioned. What did you think of that as a new Halloween event? Okay, the best thing about this particular little event thing that they gave us was that it was the first time we'd ever received a true horde mode. Yes. And it was fan-frickin-tastic. It was fun. It was so much fun. There was so much slaughter and so many infested parts scattering across the field. It was glorious. Mm-hmm. It wasn't 
necessarily the best mode. Like, it could, they couldn't have turned that into an actual ongoing mode, but I'm kind of hoping they tweak something like that and create a new horde mode, because it's one thing the game, I think, is missing, and that was really um, enjoyable. I still want my attack on Cedar's Gates. I think you're dreaming. Tell him he's dreaming. I, I, I still want my attack on Cedar's Gates. All right, get on it, there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that sort of ended out the majority of the year. We started to get nervous towards the end of October and early November, wondering what the hell was happening with Empyrean and, of course, the new war. Where the hell is everything? And then suddenly, towards the end of November, we just got everything dumped upon us swiftly. Literally. (laughs) Mid-November, we saw the old blood dropped onto us. End of November, we received Rising Tide. And, of course, early December on PC... We received Empyrean. We've talked a lot about these things over the last few months. Well, realistically, realistically, we've talked a lot about these things over the last year, waiting for them. Yeah, exactly. We were waiting long enough for all this stuff. Yeah, waiting for all the, the modes to come out. So we knew what we were talking about. We, we just didn't expect the old blood, really. So I, no. th- I think the old blood, which released the Liches, it released the Par- Parazon, Requiem stuff... All of the new Kuva weapons. I think that was pulled out of Empyrean because they knew it wasn't going to come towards the end until the end of the year and they needed to bring something sooner. And probably the Liches were fairly mature and they knew that they couldn't release them as part of Empyrean because that was going to be released later. So they thought, let's pull the Liches out of Empyrean and add it separately. Was it the right idea? I don't know. It's... It's, it wasn't perfectly implemented, personally, I think, but it was a great update. Yeah, I'm, I'm very much in the same boat. I mean, if you look back to what they were, what they've said recently, is that when the Liches were originally a part of Imperium, there was going to be like a whole 75-day wait between, you know, each time you fight your Lich or something like that, like a really long, stretched-out time between fighting your personalised boss. So, in that retrospect, I think removing them from that time uh, time barrier, that actually worked out pretty good. I also think that's not necessarily fair, because when they showed everything off initially, they showed off a beta version. They showed off an idea of what it might have been. And I, I think the problem that they have is that people quote them on everything they see. Yeah. Oh, you said 75 days and now it turns out you can find them and beat them within a couple of hours. You know, you bullshitted. It's like, well, they didn't really. They just showed what the idea was at the time. And when it came out, they had a different idea. They've implemented something differently. And if you've built something up in your own mind about something that was pre-release, well, that's kind of your problem as opposed to anyone else's. It's okay to be upset about it, but... I don't see people complaining about the fact that originally we saw Railjack um, around the orbit of Venus and we still have not yet received Venus Proxima. Yeah. Well, that'll probably come <laughs> with um, Corpus. Yeah. Because it's a corpus area. But, you know, I think people... DE loves to share. They love to show off their ideas. And the problem is that the fans make note of absolutely everything that shows up and then they freaking pick on them if it's not in there. And I think that's really, really petty. Yeah. Myself. D could show absolutely nothing and release it and people would it would blow people's minds. But they want to involve the community 
And sadly, some people take it the wrong way. And that's, you know, that's just me. It's not perfect. I'm not saying old blood is perfect. Definitely no. not. But perfection is an illusion. Yeah, it is. Nothing's ever going to be perfect. Nobody's going to like everything. You can't please everyone in the end. But I think the old blood was a great update. I think it's going to evolve into something better down the line once Empyrean itself evolves. Yeah. I mean, well, we did get a new weapon type that can hit uh, rank 40. So yeah, that's a good start. Exactly. I mean, you don't get mastery from it, but you, and you don't really get anything else from it. So it's kind of, it just gives you a reason to former it, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, Rising Tide brought the Dry Dock, Cephalon Sire, the Railjack quest. What do we think of all that in hindsight? I thought it, I thought it's good. It wasn't. Yes. It wasn't great. No, it, it wasn't content in inverted commas. It wasn't something that was good to release for players that were up to date because it was just it was, a pain in the ass. It was more of a preparation Yeah, update. and it's good for newer players. So newer players who are coming in, that's already in place for them. So they get in, they go, oh, wow, the Railjack takes this long to build, blah, 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 blah. For older players, it was just a pain in the ass that was just in the way. And it seemed six like it was going to be an exciting credits. quest, but yeah, it was just six million credits, credits and lots of farming. <laughs> so, uh, so much farming, new resources, old resources, argon crystals, six million credits. Exactly. <laughs> and of course, Empyrean. Empyrean's been out for a few weeks now on PC, almost a month, well, not almost a month, a few weeks. It's been out a couple of weeks on PS4. With hindsight, what are your thoughts? Okay, so being, like, I want to fanboy because it's it is literally everything I was hoping it was going to be and more, but to be on a to you know level myself out a bit, bugs were damn game breaking. Still are it's not as bad as they were, but yeah, yeah. Now, this is not me saying that I don't love the game mode, because I fucking love the game mode. It is everything I wanted, and more. Um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how it expands further uh, in the new year, uh, especially with the um, hidden hidden uh, little thing that they threw into the Veil Proxima to really give you a taste of what's to come, and damn. Yes. I think I feel mostly the same way. I still think that a lot of the missions are very samey, but there's nothing wrong with that because a lot of the missions when you're going through the uh, star chart, when you start out, the games are very samey anyway, so it's kind of the same thing there. Railjack plays awesomely. It's only going to get bigger and better, uh, and this is just the start. So, yeah, I'm really happy with it. It's extremely buggy. But I just don't understand all those people out there that say, how dare you release a game in this state to us? Who the hell are you to demand something? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if, if, if DE waited till next year and, you know, ironed out all the bugs and dropped it, you would have complained, why didn't you release this last year? Yeah. You, you just Shut can't- up. Get off your high people. horse. And that's, that's exactly what it is. So- it ain't perfect, but it's bloody good. Yes. All right. There's still a few more things to ramble about, and it is- we have been going longer than I thought, so awesome. Yay! Yay! Melee Phases 1 and 2 were released this year. There is still the third phase to finish out the Melee 3.0 update. What do you think of what's come out and what's still to come? Hmm. Okay. So, 
as far as the stances go, the changes to stances and whatnot, and and you know, given the weapon, the melee weapons, um, you know, a bit of a uh, a rescaling. That's cool. That's awesome. That 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 really is quite nice. It, you know, certain weapons actually feel better than they originally did. <clears throat> Gun blades. <laughs> some weapons and, feel worse. Yes, yeah, some weapons do feel worse. Um, two-handed uh, Nakanas. <clears throat> Tatsu. <laughs> so, I think in, in in the in the long scheme of things, the changes are fantastic. Yeah, because they they did definitely revitalize the melee system, and at the moment, I would say that the melee weapons are the best weapons in the game because of the changes. They feel more intuitive. They feel stronger. The combos uh, feel more smooth. The fact that you can cancel them, fantastic. The new addition of uh, heavy attacks, that's awesome. Uh, even the floating status effect that you can dish out from uh, from heavy attacks or some combo attacks is is cool. like mind-blowingly cool. <laughs> yeah. um, so as far as that goes, they've done good. Everything there is looking good. Changes to the mods, however, have broken my heart a couple of times, mm. especially looking at the uh, uh, the change of uh, sword and shield parrying. <laughs> Breaks my heart. Heart goes out to uh, goes out to the that that poor poor amalgam javelock mod that uh, is now completely useless. Useless, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, melee phases one and two were good, but we were talking about melee three point in October and November of last year, and it is a bit disappointing that we didn't finish the entire melee update this year. Of course, I'm sure D themselves are a little disappointed as well, but they had a lot on their plate. Still do, <laughs> still, and they still do. But at the same time, it would have been nice to have had melee updated finished and behind us as we move into 2020 shit happens what can you do there were of course a lot of other uh, updates that i didn't mention uh, in these notes because there was just too much to go over a lot of quality of life updates there were the ui updates there was fuck what are they called look link and mod link was added there were a whole cool bunch additions. of things a lot of cool additions and a lot of things that make everything just so much easier to to play within the game yeah but i didn't think they were necessarily worth talking about especially because we've already rambled on for 40 odd minutes about everything else <laughs> so all in all well let's quickly go through the primes there was equinox wukong atlas and avara what do you think of the primes this year i honestly have not played with a single one and i really don't care for any, either any of them I haven't played with any of them. I have played with some of them when I'm lying about. So I've played with Equinox and Atlas Prime. That mean, in the end, Primes are just the same as the other Primes, as the other frames, their base frames. So if you already were enjoying Equinox or Atlas, you're just going to enjoy them with a shiny bit of gold. Shiny coat of paint. <laughs> exactly. A little bit better in terms of their yeah. stats, but who cares? Really, I think the best one this year is probably Wukong and Avara Prime, just because Wukong's rework was... Friggin' amazing. I agree. And uh, Avara Prime just looks sweet. Yep. Yep. Not not a big not a big fan when it comes to Equinox. Definitely not a big fan with Atlas. Ivara is all right. Uh, Wukong since rework, phenomenal. Yeah. 
yeah, so it was as just far a, as it goes, a bit of a Wukong eh. would be the yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very much a eh. yeah, yeah. Quickly, there were reworks. So there was Wukong, there was uh, uh, Vorbin, there was Ember. Who else was reworked this year? Uh, Titania, um, Titania, Nix, Vorbs, Vorbs. So hands down, I think Wukong was the best rework, followed by Ember. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Yep. And Not probably followed by Vorbin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Overall, some really good reworks. I don't think Nyx or Titania deserve to be called reworks, but they were sort of reworked. Not really. I mean, Nyx, Nyx kind of was. Was, yeah. She's still mostly the same, though. Still, yeah, still mostly plays the same. It was just... Four. Yeah, yeah. Big damage change. Whoa. So. Oof. Yeah. All right, and lastly, we had four. Awesome frames. Hildren, Wisp, Gauss, and Grendel. Can't really complain about any of them. It was a phenomenal year for frames. It really was. Hildren was amazing. Wisp is seeming to be like a, a mainstream favorite. One of my favorites in the game now. Gauss, super fun, super fast, awesome. And Grendel, Grendel, I, I love Grendel. You do? I, I love Grendel. It's funny, if you go back and listen to podcast from earlier this year i remember you were saying wisp looks amazing and i was saying eh, i don't think she looks that great i'm not that impressed and now she's one of my favorite frames <laughs> i said i think i said the same thing about hildren and she's one of my favorite frames so <laughs> so from now on people whenever greg looks at something and goes eh, i'm not that impressed he's gonna love it <laughs> <laughs> Probably. all right so quickly before we go into our beginner and advanced topics this year there was a gap, mainly between August and, and November. A big gap. But there was a lot of content released this year. A fuckload of content released this year. What do you think of the year in full, in terms of the amount of content and the balance? Um, okay, I feel like things could have been spaced out a little bit more, especially towards the end of the year. Yeah. Um, but uh, in, in terms of overall content, I'm happy with how things were. I think the, the content... Especially when I was taking these notes, I was surprised how much there was. There really was a lot of really good content. They just squeezed too much of it. March, April, May, squeezed. Berry Debts, Planes of Eidolon Remaster, and Jovian Concord. And then November and December was Old Blood through Empyrean. Yeah. If that stuff was, had have been very planned a little bit better, and I know that it's not easy to plan this kind of stuff, and, and DE just releases it when as soon as they can, pretty much. But... It'd be nicer to rele- to receive smaller monthly major upgrades than something released every three months in a big blob. Personally, that's my thoughts. Yeah, I'm complete agreeance. Because really, this year was packed with good stuff. Just clustered. Yeah. Blobbed here, blobbed there. <laughs> so overall, a great year in terms of um, in terms of content, but too much downtime between. Yeah. The releases of those. Anything else you want to sum up with? Good job, D. <laughs> yeah, overall, good <laughs> job, D. All right, on to our beginner and advanced topics before we close out this episode. We're this both covering something. Uh, going to be a bit longer than we expected. That's fine. <laughs> so this, uh, we're both going to be talking about Railjack again. Yeah, I'm going yeah. to talk about component farming for Railjack because it's a little bit of a pain in the ass and it's not overly explained very well within the game. Anyway, the components, so there's components which are, you know, ship components, reactor, engines, shield, that's it? Or is there a fourth? Reactor, engines, shield, I think there's only three. <laughs> and then there's armaments which are your weapons of course and avionics which are your mods. 
So they're the, I'm going to lump them all into one word components, even though components is one of those components. I'm confused now. So there's different manufacturers for them. These different manufacturers offer different strengths and weaknesses. D refers to them as houses because I I guess it's cool, maybe. I don't know. These are in addition to the standard components that you can build via the research station within your clan. So when you go to the research station, you'll see whatever, Mark 1, whatever, Mark 2, whatever, Mark 3. And they're just the base standard components that you can build. Out in the field, however... Sigma series. The Sigma series, thank you. I forgot what it was and just didn't write it down. So the Sigma series are the base standard stuff that you can you can build yourself. The houses, on the other hand, must be found as wreckage. So essentially, it's wreckage of old railjack ships from the old war. So as you're flying around shooting stuff, you're flying around amongst a whole bunch of wreckage and you will come across components, armaments, and avionics as you're going that basically come from these old ships. Once you pick them up, you then need to repair them with a whole bunch of different resources, and then you can use them on your ship. So many, but not all of them, uh, of the same avionics exist across the houses, and all of the weapons and components exist across the houses. So this means you can play through Imperium missions, and as you play through, you're likely to come across components, elements of avionics of these named houses that made, that made them. There are three houses and I'll go through them quickly. Lavan specializes in engines and shields. They focus on delivering rock-solid technology technology at a lower resource cost. So their components were the backbone of the Oricon fleet and lacked the customization required by elite units. So these are like the lower level, more common items. So if you look at them, uh, the names, Lavan is bronze. Vida, silver. House Vidar were material specialists that made a name for themselves with shrewd balancing of performance and costs. The ability of their hull and armor components to withstand extreme elements it earned them the loyalty of specialized units. And Zetki are the gold or rare components. House Zetki's components were considered the best of the best. However, their exorbitant resource and energy requirements meant that only the fleet's most important vessels could be in, in outla- outfitted with Zetki technology. Now, this also does mean that they overheat quickly and they go through a lot of energy. But Zetki is, of course, the best of the best. So, as you're flying around, you will find components of named houses that you can then repair. Lavan being the least highest quality and Zetki being the highest quality. And you can choose which ones you want to build, etc. It's not a perfect system as yet. It'll improve. However, also note there are three grades of quality, Mark 1, Mark 2, and Mark 3. So you don't really have the best of the best until you have a Zetki Mark 3. Then again, maybe you don't, because even they drop with special stats that are intrinsic to that drop only. What does this mean? It means that every Zetki reactor, for example, will have the same base stats but the intrinsic stats will vary from pickup to pickup. So for example, the number of a- avionics capacity, the flux capacity, and a third stat, which usually is a chance to auto repair a minor breach within a time frame. So the minimum, I think for the number of avionics capacity is 10, and then it can vary from 10 to 50 from there on. And this is across every component, armament, and avionics. So <sighs> random rolls are in Warframe. But note this, and note this well. 
At the time of recording, the stat ranges that these can drop at vary greatly. There is a base, like I said, that they can drop at, which, for example, number of avionics capacity, I believe, is 10, plus a range that they can drop at above and beyond this, which is 0 to 40. However, as a result, this means that Mark III Zetki components can and do drop worse than Mark I Levan components. Oh, and the components you can build yourself? They're generally pretty good. They're not the best of the best. They are set in their stats, but at least you know what you're getting. I do hope DEI ends out the issues with this in a January update. This is something that people are complaining a lot about, uh, but it is definitely an important thing for me to mention. The other thing I mentioned, there are Mark 1, 2, and 3 components. Mark 1 is found in Earth, Mark 2 is found in Saturn, and Mark 3 is found in Vale Proxima. So it's pretty clear where you get them from, but still, I think I had to make that announcements. All right. In terms of farming for component farming f components, did you have anything you wanted to add, Lucas? No. Good. All right. On to your advanced topic. All right. Battle avionics. One of the glorious components granted to us in the Imperium update was a complete new mod system built to personalize our very own spacecraft. And tied to this system was the ability to grant unique battle functions to said spacecraft. In total, there are presently nine different avionics of the battle variety, and each one can only be placed into a specific slot. So let's jump on in and take a look at the destructive tech you might want to implement. The first battle slot. All battle avionics for this space cost 25 flux energy to activate. The first piece of tech we are looking at is the Munitions Vortex. This ability, when cast, will shoot forward a bubble that absorbs incoming damage for 15 seconds at max, and then will detonate, dealing the entire amount of accumulated damage over a 150 meter radius. This avionic is dropped from the Elite Gyrate Tactus in the Saturn Proxima. I don't know if I said that right, but... Meh. <laughs> Next up we have Blackout Pulse, which is basically an EMP. When fired at an enemy upon impact, it will let out an electromagnetic pulse in a 100 meter radius, temporarily disabling enemy vessels. However, you can manually detonate this ability to increase the affected range up to a max of 250 meters. This avionic is dropped by the Gyre Tactus in the Saturn Proxima. So same place, but not the elites. Lastly, for the first slot, we have Countermeasures. This avionic is a simple piece built to protect against guided projectiles by deploying at max 32 flares to take the heat. Um, and currently, drop locations for this one needs further testing. So, yeah, we got a bit of a defensive one. That's cool. The second battle slot, the battle avionics for this space, cost 50 flux energy upon activation. And moving into the second slot, we start with Tether. This ability, when cast, will at max affect a 200 meter radius and tether together up to 10 targets for 20 seconds before detonating and dealing 3000 damage in a 120 meter range. This is dropped from the Cosma Tactus of the Earth Proxima and the Gyrate Flak from the Saturn Proxima. Next, we have the Particle Ram, the blinding projected energy bull bar that makes colliding with enemies both explosive and fun. 
at max, this destructive energy field will deal 1,500 damage with each collision and remains active until recast to send the projection as a projectile that continues to damage all in its path until it dissipates after 6 seconds. This is dropped from the Cosma Tactus of the Earth Proxima and the Elite Exo Flak of the Veil Proxima. Thirdly, we have the Shatterburst which uh, is a single missile that either through manual detonation or from colliding with any surface will release a storm of mini explosions lasting up to 20 seconds with seven explosions occurring each second. These blasts affect an area of 60 meters each and deal 500 damage. This avionic is dropped from the elite exo flak of the Veil Proxima. The third battle slot, the avionics for this space cost 100 flux energy to cast, with Fiery Phoenix being the only exception. Starting off on the third and final slot, we have Seeker Volley. This avionics damage is tied to the ship's ordnance damage, and at max will fire 50 homing missiles to rain destruction upon your enemies. This drops from the Cosmo Cutter of the Earth Proxima, and the Elite Exo Cutter from the Veil Proxima. Next, we have the black hole creating avionic, Void Hole. This ability literally creates a black hole that lasts up to 25 seconds, will suck enemies within 150 meters to its dark center, and will deal 300 damage per second to all those caught within. This avionic drops from the Exo Outrider of the Veil Proxima. And lastly, we have the Fiery Phoenix Battle Avionic that costs 50 flux energy to cast, but will continue to drain 5 flux energy per second while remaining active. So while active, this ability will leave behind a trail of fire, yes, fire in space, mm-hmm, good job DE, uh, that deals up to 300 damage per second. In addition, your Railjack will gain 20% speed increase and a 30% damage reduction and will accumulate 100 damage per second to be released upon deactivation of the ability, which will cause an explosion affecting a 275 meter radius. This avionic is also dropped from the Exo Outrider from the Veil Proxima. Now who knows when we get to see more added to this collection of new tech built for war, but as it stands, it's a pretty nice starting point to build your own style of combat. And I would agree. There's actually some really good options in each slot. Yeah. So it's already a, a bit of a tough choice, and it's cool that you have gone through that. Thank you, Lucas. You're welcome. I now know what enemies I need to go and kill lots of in the hope that they drop Exo-Outriders. All the Exo-Outriders. <laughs> so you can turn your ship into a great big measure. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. I like it. All right. So that is, of course, the advanced topic for this week. That leads us into the end of the show. And what are we up to now, Lucas? <clears throat> Love letters to Disco Bucks. And this will probably be one of the last times that you hear us singing this beautiful song. Because I've decided it's probably about time I retire this section of the podcast, mainly because the joke's probably played itself out a little bit. If you do want to write a love letter to Disco Box, feel free. You know how and where to do it at Disco underscore Box on Twitter. 
Uh, copy us at Cephalon Squared as well, so we get to see it. If I do see any love letters to Disco Box in the future, I will read them out on the show. So just letting you know that it's not completely going away. We're just not going to do it every week if there's no no love letters. So write a love letter to Disco Box if you want, uh, but I'm not going to tell you to every week. All right. <sighs> so that brings us to Community Call Out. Don't be too sad, Lucas. Yay. So it is the end of the year, and I think it's probably a very good time for us to acknowledge the other people that help and support Cephalon Squared. And this isn't just our patrons. So Lucas and I started the show back in July in 2018. We've been recording for over a year and a half now, or just on a year and a half. Wow. Wow. (laughs) We've built the podcast, we've built the community, we've built the website and all these other wonderful things, but there are plenty of people out there that do support us. One of the first people to support us was Cephalon Lars, who helps us on Facebook and Discord. Uh, he is also a part of our PS4 and PC communities. Just an all-round great guy. He has had some challenges. He's been moving and things recently. He hasn't been seen around the traps for a little while, but hopefully things are settling for him again and we'll see Cephalon Lars coming back. Second to Cephalon Lars there is, of course, Hot Cheese. Hot Cheese has been one of our uh, mods as well since the very beginning of time. Yeah. Especially on Discord. He as well has had a bit of a hiatus from uh, his responsibilities there, but once a mod, always a mod. So he's still there and our love goes out to him and appreciation. Of course, there is always Cephalon Doug, who has always been around and probably always will be because he loves to annoy me. (laughs) (laughs) And we, we love him for it. So thank you to Cephalon Doug for everything you do. You are always chatting with people and you are always one of the first, if not the first person to welcome a new person into our Discord. So thank you for everything that you do. Then, when it comes to the website, we have two writers there. So we've got Andy Derpachief, or Andy Matter, as he likes to be called these days, who has been writing with us for a long, long time, has written quite a bunch of articles, especially for the Weapon 101s and a few of the Warframe 101s. So thank you to Andy for everything you have done to help with writing those articles. And lastly, but definitely not least, there is Rathok. Rathok has helped with a number of things in his time. He streams for us every Monday, as I've mentioned. He sends me the Nightwave details every Monday or Sunday, his time. Uh, Without fail, he continually writes articles for the site. In fact, he's almost written as many as I have for the website, which is astounding. (laughs) Uh, And he's just an all-round great guy. So thank you so much to Rathok for everything that you do for the show. Now, I do what I can to support those that support us, but, you know, we don't exactly make millions upon millions of dollars in the show. We don't make anything from the website at all. So these people are mostly doing it for the love of the community and to support us. And that really blows my mind. As, mu- as often as I try to say, I want to do something for you, I want to get something for you, these guys generally always say, no. But we're happy doing what we're doing. So I cannot thank you enough. No, really can't. There are other people, of course. Uh, We did have avatars during the year that were designed by Ironheart. So thank you to Ironheart for those. 
Uh, Lotsaw, if you're still listening, Lotsaw designed our current logo for the show. We definitely cannot say uh, thank you enough to him because that's been our logo for over a year now. Is there anyone else we're missing? There's probably a lot of people we're missing. There probably is. I mean, there's so many people out there that do a lot for us. I mean, there's so many people in our Discord that do a lot for the community. There are a lot of people on Facebook that do a lot for the community, and it's hard to mention absolutely everyone. So you know who you are. We thank you. Uh, We salute you. And yeah, let's look forward to 2020. Quick little insert here. There were some people I remembered after recording, and they would be, of course, the people who run the clans. So thank you to Mothop on PS4. Thank you to Stoic on Switch. Thank you to La Dutch Master on the Xbox. And there's multiple people that run the PC clans, including Lord Frieson and of course Doug. Uh, Hot Cheese as well has been involved there. Um, Cannibal Kiwi. Uh, Wushi is also a, a lead member of uh, the PC clan. So thank you to those people. Thank you also to Underline who has helped with the Switch clan. And of course to Ironheart who helped in the past. Thank you to Raven and to Rathok for also being there for support with their P- PC clans. So thank you to all of those people uh, who helped build the clans on all of our platforms. So I uh, can't forget them. Yay. Let's just universal cookie for everybody. Cookie for everyone. <laughs> All right, quick quick reviews update. There were no reviews, so there you go. We are at 101. Remember, reviews do help us get seen out there. Um, it is important for us to grow. I mean, I know some people will say I don't worry about the numbers, but the reality is everyone worries about the numbers. Uh, I'm extremely happy with where, we are, where we're at now. You know, for us to have achieved what we've done is mind-blowing. Uh, but, of course, we'd love to keep growing. The, the opportunity for us to keep growing means that we get seen by the community at large, and that means we can give you better content uh, because they will accept us more is really what it comes down to. So we're, we are blown away with where we are at, but we'd love to be able to do more. Anyway, we have a review for you from Yay. iTunes in the US. Go for it, Lucas. iTunes US. Nobman. The best podcast to learn a difficult game. Five stars. These guys put a lot of effort to explain to us all the nuances of Warframe. I'm rank 16 and go on and off the game. This podcast is super helpful at helping me figure out new changes. Plus, they also do an excellent job explaining how each Warframe works. There's more to it than one knows, most times. Anyway, I hope this review gets seen by more people because for whatever the reason, in my iTunes I see two reviews. Maybe two Canadian reviews? On the web, I see 44 reviews. Strange. Thank you, Nobman, if that is your real name. So, we did address this a few weeks ago. iTunes seg- segments people from different regions, which is why I used to read out, in the US we have 44 reviews, in Australia we have 12, because it's all segmented. So, this is another reason why I always ask for reviews. The more reviews we get in each region the more likely it is we are to get into the charts. Uh, and we did actually reach number 83 in the US charts. I should give ourselves a little pat on the back as a, as a podcast and as a community. Thank you. Yay. Yay. We did get to 83. That's a huge achievement for us. So we were absolutely gaming. blown away. 
podcasts. Yeah, that's video games podcast for the US, which is, you know, the biggest uh, podcast market, if you want to call it that, in the world. So, mind blown. We very quickly, the very next day, actually, were back at like 160. <laughs> but still, it's... Um, we hit double digits. It's an achievement. <laughs> so, if you can get on there and put in a review, I know we've hit 101 reviews overall, but some of those, you know, for example, in the Netherlands, there's only two reviews in total. And if you were a new new listener jumping in, looking at the reviews, and you saw two reviews, you'd probably think, yeah, can't be that good. And maybe it isn't. I don't know. <laughs> maybe we're not that good. <laughs> but if you do like us, give us a review. If you don't, maybe, maybe best you don't. 150 and we'll do our next streamcast. Oh, enough. <laughs> oh, Lucas, we haven't even done the, first, the second one yet. All right, so we've got a Dr. Cephalon for this week. I know we've been going for an hour and 20 minutes, but stuff it. We're doing the Dr. Cephalon because it's a great question. This is from Mr. Zoza in our Discord. Dear Dr. Cephalon, I was listening to the AMA episode this morning. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. There's another one coming up soon. And it got me thinking. One of the questions was things you would like to see in the game. What about expanded professions? I love Final Fantasy XIV. How would Warframe be with miners and other crafting jobs like that? It would mean making more materials, but I love crafting, so I'd play it. Increase the need to trade and sell in a game market. Build a player-based economy. Hmm. Second thought. Since Endgame is fashion, how about some kind of in-game weekly fashion comp, like in Final Fantasy XIV? question mark hmm. these are both really good questions and it all boils down to one thing how can we make warframe more like final fantasy 14 <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't necessarily come down to that but i do appreciate what mr zoza is saying because final fantasy 14 is awesome and it's really community focused yes they did a really good job with their uh their uh in-game uh, profession system yeah and, and you know what I'd love there to be professions in Warframe. Oh, absolutely. But- absolutely. Like crafting, you know, crafting particular, even if you like, if you broke down like um, things into like a mechanic, so you build new K drives or build new Arcwing components or even new um, energy-based weapons to, to trade to people or, you know, stuff like that, that'd be pretty cool. It would just be a massive change to the game. It would be. It would be a massive, massive change to the game. It would be super cool. I'd love to see something like that in it. Even if they pulled Zors and uh, Kick Guns out and reworked it into this new system. Yeah. I'd be happy with that, as long as they were as powerful as they are now. Hell, even even if even if you did it like that, like, you know, remove those two systems from the game and made them into, like, a profession thing, but then based on how high of a proficiency you have in that particular prof- profession would, you know, kind of display how good the product was in the end run. So, like, maybe you could actually create weapons that could be ranked up to MR to rank 40 or possibly higher. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, I love the idea, to be honest. I think that would really expand Warframe even even further. So... I'm all even for it. even even the gathering um, uh, professions mm. in Final Fantasy fourteen were could were, were really well done. Like the, the mining, the, uh, the lumberjack, um, you know, even like simple stuff like uh, harvesting for ingredients to cook with. Uh, that that stuff was really well implemented, and I think 
we could actually have something like that in Warframe. I mean, we've already got fishing and we've already got mining. So what if they were actually tied to like a profession thing? Mm. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah. And you had to choose one job and you could only rank one job at a time. Well, you could only get one job up to max, but you could pick a secondary could one that could it. get like yeah. a up, up to maybe half. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. Hmm. Hmm. Thanks for the thoughtful thoughts. Now, the idea of an in-game weekly fashion comp, I don't know how it works in Final Fantasy fourteen. I don't know whether it's voted on by the players themselves or whether the developers do it. It'd be there'd be some overheads involved in terms of time, which would be a pain in the ass, but it'd definitely be possible. I reckon they could build some sort of walkway or something on um, the relays. That yep. would be cool. Uh, just sort of how you implement the votes and things like that, but <laughs> that could be cool. It's like at the beginning of the week, you have like your your uh, your entries, so everyone does like their their recorded capture catwalk kind of thing, and then yeah. throughout the week, you, or whenever you go to a relay, you just see them like pop up on the screens, like this week in Warframe fashion. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool if they had a big screen and you get the fashion, and then you can, if you want to look then- at it and vote, you can go into a different room and you get to watch yeah, you get to watch tennis at a time and yeah check vote. check them all out properly and then you've even got like the voting booth like like uh, yeah. they they repurpose the um the barrow the, the barracketeer um shops while he's not there to be like a fashion voting yeah. po- poll give, give people a reason to um give people a reason to do it so you know you can either win 500 ducats or you can win 500 platinum or you know you go in the running every person that votes goes in the running to win I reckon prize. ducats. It'd be cool. Yeah, I, I reckon ducats. Well, even you know, a number of things. Ducats, umbral former, you know? Yeah. All sorts of different things that are just hard to get in the game. Those little- First um, place bundle. Get three umbral former, 500 ducats, and a three-day affinity booster. And Woo! five repair drones. <laughs> You know, all these little things. I think that would be really cool. Um, it's it's something that would have to be built into the game, but I don't think it's impossible. And that would be, I mean, the community in Warframe is already amazing, even though in-game it's not a strong community-focused game. Yeah. <laughs> so, hmm, you have some really cool thoughts, Mr. Zoza. I like it. I do too. All right, so that brings us to the end of episode 76. An episode I thought was going to be less than an hour is now one of our longest episodes. <laughs> <laughs> but having looked Yay. at the responses from everyone who has answered, that does not seem to be a problem. <laughs> so, yay, I guess. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get in contact with us for any reason whatsoever, if you'd like to send us an email, that's cephalonsquared at gmail.com. There's also greg at cephalonsquared.com or lucas at cephalonsquared.com. I really should just make like an info at cephalonsquared.com or something. I'll get around to it one day. Still out. Cephalonsquared at gmail.com. Don't forget that. Go to our website. Join the Discord. It is growing. There are so many people in there. We're not just Warframe focused. One of the people that was there today, I think it was ProxyFox, even said to someone... Uh, first and foremost, we're friends first and a Warframe community second. And I went, aww. And that's absolutely true. So join the Patreon, Patreon, Discord. 
Join the Discord. Um, <laughs> join the Discord. Talk to the people. If Discord's not for you, you don't have to. But it is there if you are that type of person. Plenty of things you can you can do on the website. It is growing. I have updated it recently, so apologies for the uh, lack of updates recently. We're getting there. I just have so much to do. Let's say thank you to those patrons that I mentioned before. All right. You start. Thank you, Rathok. Thank you, Jellybean1799. Thanks, Zula. Thank you, Lord Frieson. Thanks, Logan Neal. Thank you, Danathan. Thank you, Red Wizard 12. Thank you, Knight Rider 8503. Thank you, Coyote PX. Thank you, Jackson 31. And thank you, Solarian. These people are awesome. They support us week on week and can't thank them enough. I need to think about what I can do to thank them better. So <laughs> we're working on that. Uh, but yeah, all of you are awesome. And every single one of you out there that listens to our show are just as awesome. Yeah. End of 2019. We're getting a little mushy, but we appreciate every single one of you. My name is Greg Newbigin. I am Mad Capsules all over the shop. Who are you, Lucas? I am Lucas Silvestri, and I'm Silverlight all over the place. S I L V R L G H T, and I'm mushy all the damn time, so I don't know what you're on about. Uh, <laughs> absolutely love the community. You guys are amazing. So please keep up being amazing, and thank you so much for your ongoing support. We really do appreciate it, and it, it really warms our heart to know that you guys you know, want to listen to us on a weekly basis. Thank you. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And thank you, of course, to Yarn at Disco underscore Box on Twitter for the intro and outro. If you want to send him a love letter, please do and copy us on Twitter and we'll read it out on the show. Otherwise, all we have to say to you is Happy New Year and we'll see Happy you next week. Happy New Year! Yay! Bye! Thanks for listening to Cephalon Squared. If you'd like to contact us, reach out via our website at cephalonsquared.com, where you can find us via email, Facebook, Twitter, or Discord. But don't fret, there'll be more Cephalon Squared in a few short days. So don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.